Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we welcome back Jude Colangelo, founder and president at Eat the Bear. Um, as you know, last week we interviewed um, or we did our podcast with Jude and spoke with him for a while about you know the evolution of the company. How did it come about being? What were some of the struggles? How did he do it? How did he launch products? Um, uh, just that classic entrepreneur type story. So... And this week, I wanted to take that a step further, right? As a as a startup, uh, a hopeful, quickly growing company, one of the things that you need is capital. Um, and one of the things you need to do is devote full time to it. So uh, this week's podcast, I wanted to dive back into the conversation with Jude, kind of pick up where we left off, which is uh, what was the what was the actual the cause for him to to jump into this full time and and throw everything he had behind eat the bear what was the process like again he opened up his fundraising round last year and closed it um, also last year so what was it like raising money or trying to raise money from charlotte area investors um you know how's how does that work Um, what was the response he got from you know the high net worth investors that he talked to here in charlotte um does he think as he already considers a series b does he think he'll be able to raise money here um and then you know kind of two final questions that we wanted to dive into with him was what does he think it'll take the uh, charlotte to to have more risk capital for entrepreneurs to tap into which i think is a great question for somebody that got a got feedback along the way and then the last question I just you know wanted to figure out from him is what's his expectation? Is this a company that he sells in two years, or does he take it public or grow it for you know five ten years? So what's his what's his strategy with the company? So anyways, nice little interview with you. I, th- I thought it um, goes off really well, and certainly hope that you enjoy part two with him too. All right, Jude, welcome back to the show. Thanks for, again, thanks for sticking around with us to kind of explore, you know, uh, part two of this and, and maybe some different conversations that we explored in that first part. So one of the things that you left us with in a great tease was your jumping off point about a year ago and how you might have done it earlier, but ultimately it was the perfect time to do it. Um... And that perfect time was around a capital raise. So um, talk about, you ran this thing from a bootstrap perspective, mostly from 2011 on. And then last year, you go out and raise money. Um, you left your job. You turned everything upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk about, talk about the decision to raise money. Because I think that probably coincides with the decision to jump ship too, as far as corporate America, and and, and then expand on raising money as a as a um, as a high growth company in Charlotte. Okay, and um, and uh, you you raise an excellent point because the decision point to raise capital or third party money um, was absolutely. Um, congruous with the decision to leave my day job, yeah. right? Partly because um, it, the, 
Eat the Bear was at a point in its evolution where you either committed to it and really let it be what it what it could be, or you jettison it, right, and go back to having one job rather than two jobs, yep. right? Uh, the other reason being uh, is if I was going to um, go ask investors for money, right, um, I'd be um, hard-pressed to sit in front of somebody and tell them to give me or ask them to give me their money. And by the way, I'm doing something else 10 hours out of my day, yeah. right? And so... So it wasn't really intellectually honest for me to sit in front of somebody and ask them to make that risk. A, a, a capital commitment's risky enough without the president being doing something else ten hours a day. Yeah, right? and so the so they absolutely did go hand in hand. Um, and I now could, I, could yeah. you have sold it last year? Sure, you could have. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. And so in it was fact, a, if you look at our equity value. Um, in September fifth, September two thousand fifteen, I took in my first third party money, but um, two close friends. Okay. Right? Um, equity value was a million dollars. Okay. Less than uh, six months. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Less than a year later, about nine months later, in July of two thousand sixteen, um, when Luke came on board, the company was valued at three million. Okay. Right? Our pre-money valuation, um, sort of, let's say a year ago, it was actually March 2017 that we landed on the pre-money valuation, but we didn't go out to do roadshows and everything until the summertime. Okay. Um, but so, you know, another eight or nine months after Luke came in, um, the equity value was, uh, six million. Okay. Right. So you can see the, 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 um, Returns right are very favorable. Six x in sub two years is yeah. not bad, right? No, not and even two x in nine months isn't horrible, right? No. So we have a really good track record in terms of delivering value. Um, but we could have absolutely sold it, um, and so because it, um, it it's um, sort of a very discrete package, and it's not very complicated, right? No. Um, and so. Whether or not you know you want if somebody wanted to buy it um, who had other adjacencies or congruencies um, or you know it was attractive to a bigger corporate, um, we definitely weren't. We definitely couldn't have sold it to like institutional money like PE or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like that. We we're just not far enough. To Strategic power. Yeah, exactly. It, it would have to be someone who had a you know a logical adjacency to yeah. what we do. And so, but we could have absolutely sold it. And um, so, you made a conscious decision to leave corporate America, absolutely, and run this thing full time. Yeah, knowing you could have pocketed some cash otherwise. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, um, and so already, I mean, the people who came in during that Series A at that pre-money valuation uh, have already realized, well, um, have already uh, had value accreted in that investment um, and it's not even a year later so so you raise money you raise it all in Charlotte um, overnight <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah with, with one phone call it yeah, was it was amazing fun. yeah <laughs> uh, that's clearly not the case right no, so, clearly not the case um, so talk about raising money in Charlotte it was uh, it was definitely challenging um, the there is a phenomenal network of people here um there's a 
tremendous affluence, right, um, here, um, but there is not a lot of risk capital here. Correct. Right? Um, and the it is very conservative, right? It's very risk averse, um, and it is very challenging, right? If and you know, it's funny sitting in meetings with uh, people either on the West Coast or in New York or wherever. And they're like, we don't get it. Charlotte's the second biggest banking center in the country. This should be a slam dunk. Why are you in New York type of thing? Yeah. Right? And you had to explain to people, well, it's actually not like that. Yeah. I literally had people say to me, this is a slam dunk. Right? Um, people, you know, and, um, uh, money managers with uh, large portfolio uh, players were literally said, you know, we look at things from a concept risk, you know, can this actually get off the ground type of thing and be something? And we look at things from an economic risk. You have zero concept risk. You've yeah. already proven this thing's a slam dunk, right? Yeah. And, you know, you're always going to have some economic risk, but your balance sheet doesn't look like anything we haven't seen before, yeah. right? And so, um, so, and we spoke to very accredited um, investors in Charlotte and um, what's the response and the response 10 out of 10 times um, when those names um, you know didn't invest would and we would go months with them right you know um, so it wasn't you didn't present at the coffee shop and then walk away knowing you didn't have anything we presented at coffee shops yes um, <laughs> but then you know we were engaged in active dialogue and due diligence for months and then in the end it's the answer was always it's not a market i understand right it's and these were very sophisticated investors right and so the you know, so that became a, a point of frustration where if you went to the West Coast or you go up to New York or even in parts of Texas, yep. right? They don't care whether they they understand that market or not, yep. right? They understand an investment, yep. right? The fact that you have a team of people who have proven with, you know, a handful of people in a St. Bernard that you can get into, you know, 5,000 locations across the U.S., have 23,000 customers online and growing, Right. Um, they're like, there's clearly something there. Yeah. Right. And so the, you have, um, names like Luke Keekley aligned to your brand. You know, you have, um, people on staff, um, which are leading names in nutrition, right? Yeah. Things like that. And so the, um, and so it became very frustrating raising money in Charlotte. Um, because you, of that. How long did you raise the flag, the fundraising flag in Charlotte? We uh, kicked it off uh, in June of last year, and we closed it. Um, uh, we did a soft close in uh, December 31st, and then we did the official close earlier this year. Okay. But, uh, we, the, our, the last money to come through the door was uh, in December. Okay. So does... Um how long before you realized that you were going to have to pack up and go elsewhere to raise money? Um, after about the first meeting. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, it was very interesting because, again, the people we were talking to and, you know, um, they were very trusted introductions. So it's not like, you know, we just showed up on somebody's doorstep yeah. and opened a suitcase and said, so 
let us uh, sell you something here, right? Um, yeah, you didn't go door knocking in Myers Park. We did not. No, no. Maybe South Park, but no. yeah. <laughs> so um, the um, so they were very trusted introductions, right? By you know people who had you know a mutual connection, things like that. Um, they were very accredited um, individuals, and um, they just. You know they were very conservative, yeah, and you know they um they were not looking for the to from a it was interesting because a lot of them kept saying, you know we want portfolio diversification, right I got loads of I got more t bills than I know what to do with or treasuries that I know what to do with, but you know I need at least ten percent of my portfolio to do in this space, meaning you sort of um, private placement type of investment, right? Yep. And so, the and yet we couldn't pull the, the pin with any of them, right? And you know, I came to find out that um, for Charlotte companies, nobody could pull the pin with them. Yeah, right. So, no, you're not alone. Yeah, and uh, so that was very interesting, but also very disappointing because Charlotte needs to attract companies of the future. Right and brands of the future, and um, you know, until we start making those investments, right, self included, and I've seeded a couple of things in Charlotte. Um, the until we start doing that and really attracting some innovative brands and things like that, um, we're never going to be attractive to the companies of the futures or the brand of the futures and (coughs) that risk capital begets risk capital. It's like, wait, William got in on eat the bear. Um, I didn't know. I missed it. You didn't. You missed it. Right. You Um, didn't knock on my door (laughs) for series B. We will. So, uh, but you, the point is like, wait a minute, William got in on the ground at eat the bear and -and so-and-so got in on the ground at eat the bear. Right. What's going on in Charlotte? Right. And so, you know, and there's some phenomenal companies down here, big and small, right? Yep. And, of course, you have the big names like um, uh, Red Ventures, and you have the big names like uh, um, Avid Exchange and yep. things like that. And um, But you need, you know, they're at one end of the pipeline, right, mm-hmm. or one end of the spectrum. And the rest of our spectrum is not very colorful, yep. right? It's just sort of clear. <laughs> and there's nothing, there's no light going through, right? And so... So we need to pepper that spectrum at early stage, mid and late stage, right? Um, with some of that risk capital. Yeah. And so, uh, and really diversify the talent that we're attracting into Charlotte, right? Because um, right now we're, think about it, we're a two bar tap, right? Yep. We have Wells Fargo and Bank of America. And God bless that we do have those, right? Yep. But, you know, um, Charlotte needs to think about, you know, what happens in a world where, you know, a lot of those operational jobs or compliance jobs or risk jobs or whatever become automated, yep. right? Um, what happens in a world, and now that tech talent or that innovative talent is somewhere else and it's not sharp, yep. right? Um, and, you know, what happens when brand innovation is everywhere else except Charlotte, right? And so, you know, a... Um, to me, as you know, I love Charlotte, um, and that becomes a point of frustration because I want to see Charlotte investing for the long term, and its brands, you know, it's these cult craft opportunities 
like an eighth of air or like a two you laundry or like a whatever, right? That um, are going to sort of pepper that spectrum with um, great opportunities, yeah. right? At, at every stage. Right? But part of the problem, um, so just shooting the breeze back and forth, part of the problem is, is old Jude, right? Um, from 2010, mm-hmm. when you were in corporate and you didn't have any concept of early stage, yep. you put your head down, you went to work, you were there from six to eight. You clipped your coupon. Yeah, and you clipped your and, and you never came out to the event. That's so um, you've seen the light. <laughs> um, so how does how do you reach how do you reach those people, right? Because they're part of our problem. They have the capital. They get mm-hmm. paid well. Um, you pro- how would you have reacted if somebody would have pitched to you in 2010, assuming you had cops of money to kind of throw at it? Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And look, I made certain investments in 2010, right? So I'm, I'm sort of favorably disposed to those opportunities. Okay. Right? So, so, so I'm a, uh, from that perspective. All right. So um, bad question. How would your name be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, my evil twin. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, no, it probably would have shied away. Yeah. Right. And so, um, but, you know, wealth begets wealth. And what we want is people, investors getting on the ground floor of some of these great opportunities. Um, and people knowing, like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I missed the boat on X and I missed the boat on Y and I missed the boat on Z. And wow, those all came out of Charlotte. Yeah. Or maybe they came out of, you know, something nearby or yeah. wherever, right? But the, um, and that, if we can get that to happen and get the investment flowing, then we're going to attract other people in other parts of that sort of light spectrum, right? Um, whether it's early stage, mid stage, late stage, whatever. Um, and I think net net right now, um, I think Charlotte's saying uh, we're, we're from a, uh, investment perspective, and in terms of firms where companies were losing slash gaining, right? Um, I think I think we're net negative right now, right? I think the outflow is is higher than the inflow, yeah. Right? And we just saw a couple more companies exit North Carolina, and a couple companies who decided not to come to North Carolina, yeah. like And to me, it's one of the greatest places on the planet. Um, this is the easiest sale. In terms of lifestyle and amenities and uh, everything else we can offer, the this should be the easiest sale on the planet to get someone to want to be based in in Charlotte. Right? I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you hundred percent. So it became very frustrating because I could, you know, in an afternoon I could get a commit out of New York, right? In yeah. the afternoon I could get a commit from an accredited investor out of out of Houston. Yeah. Right. Here, I would spend months with people very regularly, right? Yeah. It's not like I saw them once every two weeks. Yeah. No, sometimes, in one particular case, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for the guy. We met at my house every single night, right? For a couple of hours a night, right? For about two months, right? And I brought, you know, the bankers who did the pre-money assessments and everything else into town to sit there and, you know, go through the 80 pages of um, due diligence and everything else. Yeah, and uh, in the end, it w- I would have been fine if it was like, you know what, I don't like the investment, or um, I think your numbers are flawed, or you know, I don't see the market being this big. Or 
that wasn't it. The, the answer was always, I don't understand the space. Yeah. Right? And so, which is important. People should be understanding, but also there's a lot of things that, um, I've invested in that have done very, very well that I was bright enough to know. I didn't know the space, but these people did. Yeah. Right? Team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so how often do we hear the word team? Yeah, right. That's so right. you're investing in the team. Um, that's it. Right. And, um, you know, it's interesting you say that because I was recently talking to um, uh, a CEO in uh, Charlotte and we were talking about exactly that. You know, one of the things we're seeing come out of, especially the West Coast, is it doesn't matter how many times Will failed, right, in his prior ventures, the capital is still being invested into Will, right? And because they know Will's had some successes and they know Will has some failures, but they're investing in Will and Will's people, right? Yep. And less so about, um, okay, this market is, you're telling me this market is X big, I think it's Y big. It's less about that, mm-hmm. right? And more about, we believe in Will. Yeah. Right? And so it's interesting that you raise that because that's pretty powerful. And we have some phenomenal companies here, phenomenal people here, right? And we should be able to attract um, the investment from our own backyard. Yeah. No, I mean, um, and you make a decision about, um, I don't know, you make a decision about team fairly quickly. Um, you can get up to speed on the rest of it, right? That's so, right. Yeah. Um, and you, uh, you know, we, you're unfortunate enough. You've sat here now with two hours, um, two hours with me. Yeah, it's been brutal. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I can, I mean, team wise, I mean, you, you're passionate about what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you can tell that, you know, you, tasted some of the challenges and you've also seen some of the successes i mean mm-hmm. you know you spend two months with you i mean that's um isn't it um have a hard time with the with the reject after that amount of time yeah and and the, the guy god bless him i i, I talk to him periodically and i was gonna say do you still keep in touch with you, him? we do yeah but do you think he'll come aboard on a series b or no i don't know the answer to that but you know you talk about team and to you Use his exact words. Yeah. He, he said, you have the best horses in the stable. Yeah. Those were his exact words. So, I mean, if you, um, I can't. Give me his checkbook, right? It, well, no, I mean, I can't. Yeah. You know, if you tell me I got the great team and you tell me I got zero concept risk and I've already proven, yeah. right, that I can get into some of the biggest retail names, right, um, and with, you know, a massive army of four people. Right. Um, then I, I, what else? I don't, I don't know what else I have to do. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, the thing I get so frustrated about, I know that those people bought in back in August, September, October, November, right? They would have already realized 50% growth. Yeah. Right. Our pre-money now, as we think about B, um, so you're already in that. Yeah, I mean, the we realized um, from a raise perspective that the million dollars in Series A was way too light, especially with the growth we're going through. It's unbelievable. Inventory uh, is that what it's, it's all? Yeah, so um, two thirds of the um, uh, of the capital, a little bit more than two thirds, but. Um, roughly about two thirds is all growth. So it's inventory depth, it's R and D, it's new products like the ones you tasted, which like, is phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, R and D, um, some uh, investment in um, 
marketing and advertising mm-hmm. and things like but all growth based um, use of funds, right? It's not like I'm saying, well, I'm going to use 50 cents on the dollar to um, manage balance sheet issues and 50 cents on the dollar growth. I'm sitting here telling you I'm using 90 to 95 cents on the dollar for growth because I can, right? Yeah. I have the demand for it that I'm that I still can't meet. You yeah. Know? And so, um, and that's, that's a great problem to have. That's mm-hmm. when you want to be on the ground is when, you know, the, um, the, um, person or the company at least, right, is already established that niche. So it's proven disruption, you know, has product on the shelves, right, has customers online and they can't keep up with the demand, right? Yeah. Because then, you got the safest investment on the planet at that point because then you are, in my opinion at least, because you're getting in at a level where you know your money's being used for growth, right? And um, so that, that's where you know I get so frustrated because I know I could have added a tremendous amount of value for those individuals and they're in my own backyard. And meanwhile, the value is being realized for individuals not in Charlotte, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's unfortunate. It is. It's frustrating. So there are successes to be had here. Absolutely, and, there are. And yeah. unfortunately, a lot of those successes have been had here by folks outside of here. Yeah. So and it continues to happen. Yeah. And look, I think you know you're doing a great job in terms of bringing that awareness. Yeah. Um, but we need the um, we need people to understand it. We need the chamber to understand it. We need a lot of areas to understand it. Right. Um, and otherwise Charlotte's not going to be a city or firms of the future or yeah. brands of the future. Well, I mean, so correct. I mean, it goes to a point. I mean, uh, you raised a million dollars on a nice valuation last mm-hmm. year. You closed in December. I do read the Charlotte observer and I do read the Charlotte business journal. Um, I don't think it was picked up and mentioned in either one of those. It was not. Yeah. It was so, not. So. Um, I mean, the fact that we don't celebrate those those successes yeah. is a reason that we don't have more of those successes, right? I, I think so. Yeah. So, Series B, you've already you mentioned it briefly. What do you? Um, 2019, or do you slip it into the oh, end of 2019? Oh no, it'll be in 18. It'll okay. be in 18. Yeah, we're already talking about it. So, how um, you going back to the same? You going back to the same places, or I think um, I think with any B round you have to, yeah, right. It just it, nothing else out of courtesy, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, um, so we'll definitely do that because they're equity partners today, yeah, right. So you can't not go back to yeah, them. absolutely. Um, and you know we'll certainly leverage them now for other intros, mm-hmm. right? Um, but um, and maybe intros that we weren't able to secure in Series A type yep. of thing, right? And so the, um, and I would hope that, you know, some of the people who passed on us in, you know, last year, um, take another look at us. Yeah. Right. Have you put a number on the B yet? Not as yet. No. So, um, but late, late 2000 and I think it'll be even second or third quarter. It, it'll probably be back end of second quarter, yeah, okay. as we ramp up. So, so right around um, the corner. It'll, um, you know, certainly we're looking at, uh, from a range perspective, $2 million, um to $5 million. Okay. But, 
we're trying not to make the mistake we made in A, which is to go in too light. Yep. Right. Um, but not go in so high that we dilute things too much. Yes. The point that you need to, yeah, right? your natural issue, anybody, yeah, self included, yeah. No, I mean you, you don't want to raise too much at, at current level because that's right. Yeah, I mean absolutely. Yeah. If you can and you know it. when you think around seas and so forth, they want to you know know where you know certainly institutional money. Uh, if we ever get to that point, and I don't know if we will uh, or if we'll even want to, but they don't want to see that the founder and president is left with, you know, 5% of the company, yeah. right? Because then I don't have any skin in the game, yeah. right? They want to know that I still got a fair whack of skin in the game. Yes, absolutely. So, um, talk about the exit. Um, what is that? I mean, you and I talked about it beforehand, mm-hmm. but, um, is it a, um, is it a sell it in two years or is it a run it forever? <laughs> so I'll tell you what I told, um, a very, very, very experienced accredited banker in Charlotte uh, when he asked me that question. Uh, I said, yes to both and no to both. Yeah. Right? Uh, we're going to leave the optionality open. We will make the right decisions at the right time for the brand, right? And so, you know, we'll look and evaluate those decision points when they come up. And, you know, we'll always do the right thing by the brand, the shareholders, and the, and the team that we have, small though it may be. Um, so, and, what, and I think it's a mistake that certain companies make where they get on course, uh, and sorry to cut you off, but they get on course just to sell something or just to run it forever because you begin to get blinders on that prevent you from seeing opportunities in the other lane of traffic, right? Um, that could really help the brand, could really help your team, could really help the, the, the shareholders, etc. Right? Yeah, no, um, you maybe you shut down new product development um, in that process because you're really just trying to high tune the things that you've got on the shelf. That's right. right. That's so, exactly right. Or maybe you don't um, do something and you ultimately lose you that connectivity with your customer, yeah. right? Which for brands like us is sacrosanct, right? Yeah. Um, we compete on the quality of our products and the quality of our service, right? Yeah. That's the only way we're ever going to compete. Yeah. And so... Um, if we lose that ability to connect and identify and be meaningful and relevant to our customer, either online or in the uh, retailer, then it's game over. Yeah. Do you think about exit strategies, though? Do you think that you could sell to Procter and, I mean, not Procter and Gamble, but I mean, um, do you think about those things? Yeah, it's interesting. What we've seen from acquisition activity over the last couple of years is um, we've seen a couple institutional pickups, but what we've seen more of are um, the strategic corporate pickups. So, for example, Coast Cereal picked up Dimatize. Okay. okay. Uh, Kellogg's, and I think they got on some 15x multiple. It was crazy high. Um, the We saw... Sale order more sale, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So... And we saw, uh, at the end of last year, we saw Kellogg's pick up RX bar for mm-hmm. 600 million, right? Because, and as you and I were joking earlier, Kellogg's really wanted to make a bar. I'm pretty sure they could come up with a, with a similar bar, right? Yeah. The issue is that these big strategic brands can't pivot and get that intimacy and rapport and trust with the consumer now the way we can as a cult craft brand. 
right? And so it's um, word to food what craft beer was sort of five to ten years ago, yeah. right? And we're seeing that. So I think the major interest will come with, from strategic corporates and uh, in us at least because we've seen some of it uh, and less so from um, institutional money because we're probably still a fair ways away to be, you know, those guys want to write 10 million plus checks, yep. right? So um, I think it'll be a while before we're um, interesting to an institution, but um, we know we're already interesting to some strategic corporates um, because um, we're knocking them off the shelf today. Yeah. Right? So, That's got to be a good feeling. Yeah. So, And we're also very selective about um, which retailers we work with, too. Yeah. Right? And that, that makes a big difference from a branding perspective um, because we want to be super meaningful to the ones we're in, let's say Harris Teeter, and not just... Um, mediocrely meaningful to a bunch of players, right? I think a great example is um, that um, that soap that everybody has in their kitchens now, that method. Soap. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's great if you, if you look at the origins of method, um, small, tiny little company, and they uh, got into Target. Well, they became so meaningful to Target that everybody just assumed Target-owned method, or that it was a, a brand of Target, right? Yeah. And so the um, and so that's sort of our approach. We would rather be really meaningful to Harris Teeter and a couple other big retailers than sort of be on every shelf of every retailer. Okay. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. So, um, well, it's you know we come up and we've gone over thirty minutes and oh I'm, sorry I'm, no 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 you're sorry. fine. I mean I kept asking questions. So um, it's been a blast. Um, I've enjoyed kind of getting to know you, the mayor. Thank you. Um, I've got a boatload of questions that we'll have to wait and ask until after Series B. Okay. Um, That's certain things we didn't touch. Shoot, we didn't touch base on um, how you came up with the name Eat the Bear, right? Okay. Um, and, a, and, a, and a host of other things. So we'll have to come back around to at some point in the not too distant future. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, it's, it's great to get to know you. It's great to introduce you to the community. Thank you. Um, and, you know, certainly hope to see you around. Um, See around Charlotte, see around the investor, see around the startup entrepreneurial community here over the course of the next 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time and all the work you're doing to raise awareness. So cool. Well, thanks so much, Jude. I appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Nice little way to wrap up the podcast with Jude um, talking about Eat the Bear and his experience raising money here in Charlotte and his uh, kind of advice for, for folks along the way. So I thought it was a great, great two part interview with him. Good to get the you know, the entrepreneur side of the story, as I mentioned, um, or I guess I haven't mentioned it yet. Next week, we'll be starting the first of two podcasts with Keith Ludeman. Uh, Keith is founder of Good Mortgage, which he sold, um, obviously, an online mortgage company, which he sold in 2016. Um, Keith's gotten, you know, very involved in the Charlotte startup and angel scene um, over the course of 2018, once he's been able to completely step away from 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 Good Mortgage, so I thought it'd be a great opportunity to um, to kind of explore that with him a little bit. His journey as a founder and now his early stage journey into being an investor here in the Charlotte region. So good interview. Um, Keith's a great guy. I think we'll hear and see a lot more of him in the Charlotte investor and entrepreneur scene over the course of the next 
one, five, and ten years. So stick around next week for another episode of the Charlotte Angel Connection. William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey & Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey & Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey & Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A, under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.